Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number one of What Next, a storytelling podcast where you, the listener, get a say in what happens next in a story. My name is Jake Stoll, author of the novel The Gauntlet. I want to thank all of you for listening. Now, let me explain a little, since this is a bit of a different show than you're probably used to hearing. In this podcast, I write and read out chapters for a fiction story. At the end of each chapter, I will present a choice to the listeners, and, for a brief period of time, you will have the opportunity to vote on what will happen next in the story. If you would like to vote on what happens next, you can send an email to whatnextpod at gmail.com or comment on our Instagram post at whatnextpodcast. Just please remember to stick to the options I present at the end of the episode. While it would be cool, I don't think I'm allowed to have Darth Vader appear in any of my stories. For this first story, I told family and friends that I would be writing a fantasy. I asked them to vote between a protagonist who was a wizard and one who was a hunter. Though the voting was close, there were just two more votes for Hunter. So without further ado, let's begin Not the Hero, the Story of Ariana Stance. Chapter 1 Ariana Stance screams as she violently sits up in her sleeping mat. Her heart is pounding, her skin slick with sweat. Her tangled black hair covers her eyes. She pulls it back with both hands and holds it there, trying to calm her labored breathing. After several more panted breaths, Ariana looks around the musty sleeping room. Spears of moonlight pierce the slats of the wooden walls. She ties the messy hair behind her head and reaches next to her to pet Jax, the two-year-old foxhound who never leaves her side. To her surprise, Jax is not there. Ariana looks to her right at her parents' double-wide sleeping mat. Confused, she sits up. After pushing back her own coverlet, Ariana quietly steps to her parents' mat. It is unoccupied, and the covers are clumped at the foot. Puzzled, Ariana wonders where her parents could be at this hour. Her father wouldn't need to report to the smithy for at least two hours, and her mother would not begin weaving at her loom until sunrise. As Ariana contemplates where her parents could be, she notices the cold for the first time. In southern Losalia, the winters are short and the summers long. Late spring is usually hot and humid, but tonight Ariana feels chilled to the bone. She begins to shiver. She pulls on her hunting boots without lacing them and steps to the sleeping room's entrance. Ariana's family cottage is meager and humble but cozy. There are just two rooms, a combined kitchen, den, and dining nook, separated by a doorless frame from the sleeping room that Ariana shares with her mother and father. As Ariana steps through the doorway, her boot strikes something soft. She nearly trips, but steadies herself on the doorframe. Blindly, she reaches down in the dark and feels the short hair of Jax, her beloved dog. Ariana gasps as she feels a deep, wet gash across the foxhound's upper back. She holds her breath as she reaches a trembling hand toward the dog's belly. And she lets out a sigh of relief as she feels the dog's ribs steadily rising and falling. Jax whimpers softly as Ariana gingerly touches the dog's wound. I'm here, buddy, she says soothingly. Let me get something to patch you up. Stay here and don't move. Ariana knows her mother keeps a small jar of leeches in the kitchen, along with a vial of alcohol and a few clean strips of cloth. Ariana steps over Jax, feeling her way along the room's wall toward the kitchen. As she nears the kitchen, 
Ariana hears a gust of wind and the rustling of several leaves that blow in through the open front door. Ariana feels a rush of panic. Her skin flushes, even as a chill races up her spine. She makes the bolt to the door, unsure whether to investigate why it is open or to slam it shut. Ariana never has to make the decision. She slips on something slick on the ground and crashes into the little table in the dining nook. The table rocks back and forth before smashing into the floor mere inches from Ariana's head. Her hands and cheek ache where they hit the table, and her bare legs have caught splinters. Ariana starts to feel downright scared. Slowly, she crawls toward the slippery thing that caused her to fall. It feels like a foot, and then she feels the rest of the leg. The foot and the leg are not attached. Ariana screams. Six months later. Ariana's matted, tangled mess of hair catches on a branch for the third time that day. She bites out a curse and yanks a fistful of the tangled black mess out of the tree. Not all of it comes out. Ariana grunts and beckons her dog. Come on, boy. Jax finishes marking the tree that caught hold of Ariana's hair and trots to her. His short, white and brown fur is cruelly marred by a long, wide scar that zigzags across the top of his back. Ariana switches the line of rabbit carcasses from one shoulder to the other and continues along the game trail. Jax trots gaily next to her for a few paces before running ahead and sniffing either side of the trail. Ariana's arrow quiver bounces up and down on the dog's back with every step he takes. People used to ask Ariana why she made her dog carry her arrows, but they stopped asking about six months ago, around the same time the people of the village stopped speaking to her. Ariana shakes her head. She knows where this line of thinking leads. A despairing, sinking grief, followed closely by self-pity and burning anger. To distract herself, Ariana begins the process of unstringing her bow, attempting to use one hand while the other holds onto the rope of rabbits. Before long, Ariana and Jax come to the edge of the forest and into the heat of the sun. It is nearly noon, almost past the time for merchants to pay a fair price for the rabbits. Ariana curses her luck for missing the stag. The antlers alone would have fed her and Jax for a month. Four measly rabbits will hardly earn enough for dinner. Jack stops his bouncing, happy trot to look back at Ariana, as though he knows she is angry and wants to reassure her. Ariana has a moment to wonder whether the foxhound truly does have this level of supernatural insight into his master's well-being. But the moment passes quickly, because suddenly Jax is looking toward town, his legs straight and his fur bristling. The foxhound growls from low in its throat, and then bounds forward. Both puzzled and worried, Ariana hurries after her dog. She enters town mere seconds after Jax, who leaps two consecutive fences to come in and out of the potter's yard. Ariana follows suit, apologizing to Mr. Potter as she steps on one of the tomatoes he is watering. Jax hits the street at a run, turning sharply to race down the road. Ariana briefly considers her options and decides to stash her kill in one of the potter's potted plants. She rushes down the street after Jax, silently hoping that a crow or coyote doesn't find the rabbits. Ariana calls out to her dog, Jax, stop! However, Jax is either too far away to hear, or is simply ignoring her commands, because he tears down the street at a breakneck pace without slowing. Ariana's dog has never acted so strangely before. He has never chased any person or any animal, and Ariana trained him from a pup to flawlessly follow any command she gave. Soon, there is a turn in the road, and Ariana looks to and fro for her dog, she calls out to him, but there is no answer. 
Ariana briefly thinks that something about the town seems strange, but she is too frantic to stop and really take notice. That's when Ariana hears a thunderous crash, immediately followed by a man's voice shouting, Have at thee, fell beast! All at once, Ariana's curiosity makes her momentarily forget her renegade dog. She walks toward the sound of another crash, followed by a bellowing war cry. As she draws nearer to the commotion, she thinks she hears the sound of a man chanting between the shouts and the crashes. Ariana passes between two cottages and is startled to see Jax, pointing like a good dog, who has spotted a fat turkey for his master to shoot. There is no turkey, however, but a fierce battle. Ariana tries to organize the chaos she sees in her mind, the destroyed well, the massive, flailing arms, the glowing sword, the bearded man chanting into a book, the brawny man pulling himself out of a pile of rubble. Soon, Ariana begins to understand what is happening. Three men are fighting some kind of giant monster. She estimates that the creature must be close to 15 feet tall. Its skin is dark green, its joints are knobby, its torso and limbs are thick and broad, and its three eyes are a dull yellow. Ariana's first instinct is to grab Jax by the scruff of his neck and pull him back between the cottages, where they are mostly out of sight. After a brief struggle and a kick to the dog's backside, which Ariana immediately feels bad about, she manages to pull her dog to a safer place. She crouches down and looks into her dog's eyes. Come on, Jax. I think we should leave. But the dog whimpers. You disagree? What do you think we should do, boy? Jax bares his teeth, looks at the battle, and then looks back at Ariana. You think we should help? Jax stares at her with his big, lovable eyes. Ariana scoffs. It's not our fault those three picked a fight with an ogre. Jax is silent. You're right. Maybe they're just defending the town. But we don't know them, boy. Why should we get involved? Jax barks at her once. All right, fine, she spits out. Jack wags his tail and licks her face. I love you too. Now give me those arrows. Ariana unclasps the quiver from Jax's back, pulls out ten arrows, tosses the quiver to the side, and sticks the arrows in the dirt. Jax, stay, she says, as she creeps forward and knocks an arrow. The chaos in front of Ariana is steadily becoming more controlled. A brawny man is buried under another, larger pile of rubble. A younger man is being held aloft in one of the ogre's hands, waving about wildly with his glowing sword, and a bearded man is chanting feverishly into his tome as ineffectual fireballs lurch forward and bounce off the ogre's vast belly. Ariana takes aim, releases a breath, and looses. Her arrow whizzes across the courtyard for a second before plunging into the elbow of the green arm that holds the young man. There is a groaning roar, and the green hand drops the man as the ogre desperately reaches for the arrow, like a boy who has been stung by a bee for the first time. The ogre finds the arrow and tears it out just as another arrow pierces deep into its pudgy cheek. This time, the roar is much louder. For a moment, the ogre seems to be in too much pain to decide what to do. Its long arms flail and its thick feet stomp the ground, shaking the earth under Ariana. The young man who is dropped by the ogre shakes his head and reaches for his sword. When his hand touches the hilt, the blade begins to glow once more. He glances at the bearded man and asks, Where are the arrows coming from? Never mind that, you fool, the bearded man chastises him. Seize your opportunity. The young man stands and brushes his hair out of his eyes. As Ariana watches him, she notices that he is about her age and very handsome. His complexion is dark and his hair black, but his eyes are a bright green. Right, he says, as he hefts his sword. 
Here goes. He charges toward the ogre, his glowing sword raised high. At the same moment, Ariana sees that the bearded man is gathering what appears to be a small, dark cloud above his head. Likewise, the brawny man has pulled himself out of yet another pile of rubble and is running toward the ogre with his long battle axe in hand. Jax barks at Ariana, who realizes that she can still help. She knocks another arrow and says, Jax, go! The foxhound shoots forward like one of Ariana's arrows. Ariana takes another breath and lets it out slowly, waiting for just the right moment to fire. When the young man and the brawny man are nearly within striking distance of the ogre, she loses. The ogre, with Ariana's arrow still within its cheek, has recovered its wits enough to decide to attack. It has an arm raised toward each of the charging men, ready to deliver a crushing blow. Ariana's arrow zips through the air toward the ogre's head. Two things happen at once. From the bearded man's little cloud arcs a bolt of blue lightning, which strikes the ogre full in the chest. At the same time, Ariana's arrow stabs into the middle of the ogre's three eyes, which bursts like a pimple. Then, two more things happen at once. Rather, two ogre hands are severed at once, one by the young man's glowing sword, and the other by the brawny man's heavy battle axe. Jax bites into the calf muscle of the ogre's left leg and tears away a chunk of green skin. The monster falls backward, roaring all the while, and lands with a crash on what was left of the village well. The young man leaps forward, and with a single two-handed stroke he cleaves off the ogre's head. Without pausing to savor his victory, the young man points his glowing sword skyward. To Ariana's astonishment, a glowing purple circle appears in the village square, not far from where the well once stood. The purple circle appears to be some kind of window to somewhere, revealing swirling black mist on the other side. The young man points his sword at the purple circle and quickly turns it 90 degrees clockwise. Ariana hears a sound similar to a clicking lock, and the purple circle dissolves into white smoke. The sword stops glowing. The brawny man and the young man sit down, breathing heavily. Ariana feels the muscles in her shoulders relax slightly, and her grip on her bow eases. She calls Jax back to her, and pats his head and rubs his ears, telling him what a good boy he is. Soon, she realizes that the bearded man is beckoning to her. Warily, Ariana pulls the remaining arrows from the dirt and attaches the quiver once more onto Jax. She walks to the bearded man, with her foxhound following closely behind. The bearded man is wearing bright red robes with long, drooping sleeves. His beard is long and white, and his skin is equally pale, aside from a bulging red nose. He wears a comically small red cap on his head that doesn't quite cover a large bald spot. As Ariana draws near, the bearded man stows his book in some unseen pocket of his robes and holds his arms out wide, as if to embrace her. Ariana stiffens and takes a reflexive step backward, as she's never been one for hugs, especially hugs from strangers. The bearded man, however, does not seem to notice Ariana's hesitation because he closes the gap between them in three steps and wraps his arms around her. Ariana grimaces until the bearded man lets her go. When the embrace ends, the bearded man says, Thank you, fair maiden, for your assistance. I fear that without your impeccably aimed arrows, my companions and I would have been vanquished. Ariana feels uncomfortable, and she feels her cheeks begin to redden. This is the first time she has met a new person in over a year, and she can't seem to remember the appropriate pleasantries. Eventually, she settles on nodding to the bearded man and mumbling, You're welcome. 
Ha! A modest one, the bearded man exclaims. But please, do not welcome me just yet. We haven't properly thanked you for the assistance you provided. Before Ariana is able to politely ask what kind of thanks he has in mind, the bearded man grabs her wrist and puts her arm through his. Behind her, Jax growls at the bearded man. It's okay, Jax, Ariana says, though she is not entirely sure if it is. Then, half-dragging, half-escorting her, the bearded man leads Ariana to where the young man and the brawny man sit, taking turns gulping down something in a water skin. As he leads her to his companions, the bearded man asks, By what name may we call our savior? Ariana, perplexed by the bearded man's unusual behavior, answers, I am Ariana. Splendid, exclaims the bearded man, as he stops and gestures for Ariana to stand before his companions. The brawny man is tall and heavily muscled, with a tanned complexion similar to Ariana's. He wears a chest plate over a sleeveless tunic, and on the ground next to him is a horned helmet that covers his bald head during battle. His heavy, double-sided battle axe lays on the ground behind him, within arm's reach. The young man has a darker complexion than Ariana, and he has short, curly hair. He is dressed more modestly than the brawny man, with his arms covered by a long-sleeved tunic underneath armor that is mostly leather, with light metal plating on the shoulders and chest. His previously glowing sword is sheathed in an unadorned leather scabbard at his waist. The brawny man puts down the water skin and asks, Who's she? The bearded man makes a dramatic flourish with his hands as he gestures to Ariana. This lovely maiden, be it by happenstance or destiny, deign to be our savior today. She is the very same person who guided those mysterious arrows into the fell creature we just vanquished. Without her arrows, I do believe that we would be having this conversation in the afterlife. The brawny man reaches for his axe and proceeds to sharpen the blade with a whetstone. I didn't see any arrows, he says. The bearded man stamps his foot and exclaims, I assure you, dear boy, that arrows there were. The brawny man just grunts and begins sharpening the other head of his axe. The bearded man's face grows red and he shouts, You listen here! This young lady just saved your life! The least you could do is look... The young man stands and interrupts the bearded man. Please stop bickering, you two. He steps toward Ariana and bows low. Please forgive my comrades and allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bram. The bearded one is Julencio, and my friend with the axe is Galfons. You have my deep thanks for your help earlier. I did see the arrows, and I agree with Julencio that we would all be dead without your help, as would anyone in your town who did not flee from the monster. My companions and I are in your debt for the help you provided. Ariana sees Galfons roll his eyes behind Bram, and sees Jalencio shoot him an accusing look. Bram shoulders his pack and says, You said your name is Ariana, correct? Ariana nods. Well, Ariana, Bram continues, would you happen to know of a place where three travelers might find some supper and something soft to sleep on? Ariana replies, The place I sleep is not fitting for you, but there is an inn on the other side of the village. Would you care to join my companions and me for supper? I think that would be a better setting in which to thank you for your help. As if on cue, Ariana's stomach growls. She laughs shyly and says, I would love that. She whistles to Jax and tells Bram, When you're all ready, you can follow me. I know a place. Three hours later, the brawny Galfons slams his mug on the table of their booth and says, That's terrible. So the people of this village just up and ignored you as soon as your parents died? Ariana finishes her sip of ale and says, Yes, pretty much. The only one who listens to me now is Jax here. She pats the dog's head and feeds him another scrap of ham under the table. 
but I just can't believe it, Galphons continues. Surely you have some friends here. Ariana hangs her head. I thought I did, but I don't know. For some reason, people in this village have been acting like I'm invisible for the past six months. Galphons eyes her skeptically. Then you're sure there was no other reason? Ariana's eyes narrow. What exactly are you implying, friend? Bram sets his drink down and raises his hands in a placating manner. Now, now. I'm sure Galphons didn't mean anything by that. What do you think, Jalencio? There is no answer from the bearded Jalencio. Ariana, Bram, and Galphons look to where he is sitting to see him slouching back in the booth, breathing steadily with his eyes closed. Maybe he's meditating, Ariana offers. Galphons guffaws. Ha! <laughs> that old fart! Oh no, dear. He is fast asleep. Bram shushes Galphons and speaks to Ariana in a low voice. Listen, Ariana. There is another reason we invited you to supper and drinks, other than to thank you for your help. It's usually Jalencio's job to explain why we keep showing up in towns unannounced. But since he's passed out, I guess it's up to me. Bram takes a swig of ale and clears his throat before continuing. This sword of mine... The one you saw glowing earlier is no ordinary sword. It possesses a mysterious power that I do not fully understand. It seems to be the weakness of many monsters, as it burns their skin on contact. With any other weapon, I could, I could have never beheaded that ogre with one stroke. Aside from killing monsters, it also appears to be the only thing that can close the monster portals. Is that what that glowing ring in the village square was earlier? Yes. The portal started springing up all over Losali about three months ago, just before I found this sword. They are doors to another place, and frightening monsters use them to enter Losalia and sow chaos. Our quest is to close all the portals and prevent Losalia from being overrun by monsters. Bram pauses and asks, Any questions? Ariana chuckles and says, Yes, lots. Let's start with, why are you telling me all this? Because we want your help, Ariana, Jalencio says. Ariana, Bram, and Galphons jump a foot in their seats. Weren't you just sleeping? asks Galphons. Jalencio merely smiles and says, Of course not. I was merely listening intently. Good work with the explanation, Bram. Galphons rolls his eyes, but Jalencio continues. We want your help, Ariana, because we could use an adept archer in our little party, and because your dog Jack seems to be quite useful for tracking down monsters. Jax and I will come with you, Ariana says, without hesitation. The three men seem surprised. Are you sure? asks Bran. It will be dangerous, and you'll be leaving your old life behind indefinitely. There's nothing for us here anymore, Ariana says, petting Jax under the table. Very well, Jalencio says. We leave it on. Ten hours later. Everyone ready? Jalencio asks, as the party shoulders their packs by the road that leads away from Ariana's village. I'm ready, Ariana says, but I have one question. How do you know which way to go? Ah, it appears that Bram did not give you as thorough an explanation last night as I thought he did, says Jalencio. We are pursuing portals, yes, but we also have a destination in mind, the tower of a wizard named Vestuli. He tends to stray down the, black, the path of black magic more often than I would like and I worry that he may have caused these portals to open. Even if it wasn't him, I think he may at least be able to shed some light on these strange occurrences. Ariana sighs. Of course there's an evil wizard involved. Now, now, Jalencio says, I didn't say anything about evil, just that this dually takes risks with his magical experiments that I find to be too risky. 
But enough prattle. We have one last decision to make before we can be on our way. There are two paths before us to get to Vestuli's Tower in western Losalia. We can either take the northwestern route through the swamps of Stunkepla, or we can take the western route over the snow-capped peaks of Mount Massive. Jalencio looks at the whole party and asks, Which road shall we take? That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. I want to thank Chris Delaney for the theme music and for letting me use his house as a recording studio. If you want to submit a vote for the next episode, send an email to whatnextpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on our Instagram post at whatnextpodcast. You may have already guessed, but this week, the choice is between whether Ariana's party will travel through the poisonous swamps of Stumkepla or over the snow-capped peaks of Mount Massive. In your email or comment, you can just write mountain or swamp or some version of either one. I look forward to seeing what you want to happen next. Mm-hmm.